Welcome to the Spilt Podcast. I'm Charlene. And I'm Tanya. We confess we are spillers. Not in the way that you may think, but it is likely you are one too. So if you've ever believed you are less than, invisible, or made to doubt yourself, we're glad you're here. We have been there, and in some respects, we're still there, because life is a journey. We are not doctors, therapists, or life coaches, but our collective life experience has taught us a thing or two. It is not a mistake that our paths are colliding today. So let's dig in, dig deep, and talk about why we spill. Welcome back, spillers. This is episode eight. So in our last two episodes, we dove into guilt and perfectionism. Today, we are going to dig into shame. As with guilt and perfectionism, shame has many layers, which can overlap with guilt and perfectionism. So it's what's gonna like tidy everything up and tie it in a nice little bow today. Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) These topics can be wrapped in a neat little package, but I would like to highlight our little segment for challenges and triumphs that we are participating in and we hope you are too. So as far as challenges go this week, I would like to say mine is just about balance because we're both doing a lot of things and the podcast is rewarding But we also realize now that we are live and we're on social media, there's some homework to do. It's adding something that wasn't there before. So I'm just trying to balance everything. And as far as my triumphs go, I feel like I'm a producer now. I'm adding that to the list (laughs) of my accomplishments. I have come a long way with this program that we use, Audacity, that we record our podcast in. The first few episodes, I'll admit, I I didn't want to mess anything up. I was so worried if I touched anything, I would delete our episode. But now, I'm into the editing process, and we've messed with some sound levels. So when any of that goes my way, I send you that message. I'm a producer. Yes, she does. There you go. That's my triumph. I'm a producer. (laughs) What about me? My triumph is, well, it, it came with challenge as well, but I learned. So that's my triumph. I learned that I need to be working on setting healthy boundaries even more. This is a difficult, it is a challenge for me, but I'm going to claim this as a triumph because I learned from some things that went on this past week. So I'm counting that as triumph, but also I'm trying not to sweat the small stuff because Tanya was saying, my challenge is that how do I keep everything going? I feel like I have a lot of irons in the fire and it's like a balancing act right now. 
So that's my biggest challenge. But so I'm trying not to sweat the small stuff right now and focus on this because I know that while yes, adding the podcast to our daily lives put a whole new set of challenges to us. I know that in probably another couple weeks, we're going to have it down to a science. So it's not going to be as stressful as we learn how to incorporate this into our other, with our other responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to dig in now? Yes, I'm ready. You ready? Okay, y'all ready? So a recent article in Very Well Mind titled The Psychology of Shame discussed what shame actually is. And so I'm going to just kind of do a little rundown about what is shame because we feel, me and Tanya feel that sometimes it gets misconstrued as guilt and they're very separate things. And so Tanya is going to give us a little thing about that after I read you this definition. So what is shame? Shame is a feeling that arises from the perception of having done something dishonorable, immoral, or improper. People who experience shame usually try to hide the thing that they feel ashamed of. But when shame is chronic, it can involve the feeling that you are fundamentally flawed. When shame is internalized, it can become problematic, having harsh, a harsh evaluation of oneself as a whole. This inner critic might tell you that you are a bad person, worthless, or have no value. So before I run down the types of shame, I wanted to help our audience understand. It helps me too. What is the difference between shame and guilt? And I found this on our trusty app, Pinterest. Uh, we, we have a lot of stuff we save on there for our podcast. But it says, shame focuses on self. Guilt focuses on behavior. Shame is I am bad. Guilt, I did something bad. Shame, I'm sorry I'm a mistake. Guilt, I'm sorry I made a mistake. Shame can arise without doing anything and can lead to a loss of self-respect. Guilt, you can feel bad about your behavior, but you still can respect yourself. Shame, you feel small, worthless, and powerless. Guilt, you feel tension, remorse, or regrets. Shame, a desire to escape or become defensive. And guilt, desire to confess and apologize or repair. So types of shame, transient shame, chronic shame, humiliation, defeat, shame around strangers, in front of others, performance shame, shame about yourself, exclusion, internalized shame, and toxic shame. Toxic shame, yes. So those are a lot of different types of shame, but I want to give you some of the symptoms that 
is that our shame right now. And so what are symptoms of shame? Well, uh, psychiatrist uh, Peter Bregan in his book, Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, listed a long laundry list of symptoms of shame, and you may be very surprised. So feeling sensitive or being worried about what others think of you, feeling unappreciated, used, or like others take advantage of you, feeling rejected, regretful, inadequate, or like you have little impact. Uncontrollable blushing or being afraid to look inappropriate or stupid. Worrying that you aren't treated with respect or wanting to have the last word. Feeling that you can't be your true self. Losing your identity or not sharing your thoughts, feelings, because you are afraid to be embarrassed. Being more worried about failure than doing something immoral or dishonorable. Being a perfectionist, where have we heard that? Feeling like an outsider, that you are different or left out, or feeling suspicious and like you can't trust other people. Being a wallflower or a shrinking violet. Wanting to shut people out or withdraw. Trying to hide or be inconspicuous or not wanting to be the center of attention. So those are some symptoms of shame. And I didn't realize that some of those were shame. As far as shame goes, today we wanna focus on the internalized shame, shame of self, toxic shame, and even a little bit about exclusion. But before I read about what internalized shame and toxic shame are, I, Tanya has something she wanted to say about toxic shame. Toxic shame, it's from a childhood filled with abuse and neglect. And it leaves you feeling exposed and vulnerable, unworthy and damaged, like you're not human. You no longer feel bad, but now you live with that deep core belief, I am bad. I am bad. Not just you feel bad about yourself. You believe you are bad. And I think it's good to point out when you say a childhood filled with abuse and neglect, I don't think that just means you were physically beaten or left alone and unfed or whatever. It no. could be just from like an emotional withdrawn parent or people like that in your life where your needs weren't always met. Yes, absolutely. Emotional neglect, like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> and then you're, you know, you're not fine or not being reassured that things are going to be okay. I guess I think of it like, when you talk about it like that, that emotional neglect is just that there was not a connection with you, with your your family of origin that you didn't feel like you were allowed to talk about. 
Right. Things. We go back to that generational problem that is existed uh, where maybe child's feelings weren't validated mm -hmm. and you just grow up feeling like, well, I don't matter. Right. Right. And I'm, I get it that kids are emotional being, they are, they're all over the place because we both have kids. Mm -hmm. You can't, sometimes you can overdo it. Like, tell me everything you felt today and blowing it out of proportion. Some things yes. you knew is fine to say, you're good, you're strong. It's mm -hmm. fine to say that. But if you discount everything, oh, suck it up, you'll be fine. Or don't, don't say too much. Don't talk about that. We don't want people to know that about our family. I don't know. You could just that is right. have there all is kinds even... of scenarios like that. Exactly. And here's a famous phrase from my father. Just put your duck feathers on and let it roll off your back. <laughs> I didn't even know what that means. <laughs> well, when I guess... duck feathers, the, 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 does it stick to them? Yeah, They're they stay wet. It just kind okay. Of... I've never heard that. Yeah. So that was that. Okay. Okay. Let me just stuff it. I don't think it worked for you. No, it didn't. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. That's opened my eyes to how many layers there is to shame. So I'm going to just read a few things here and then we're going to get into our talk. But we felt like we needed to give you a little bit of a foundation for what shame is. So I wanted to say like self-shame, like shame about yourself, feeling as though you are an inferior person can lead to shame about self. And this is a chronic type of shame with long lasting effects. Then there's the shame about internalized shame where you just internalize your shame. So internalized shame refers to shame that has been turned inward. For example, those who experience childhood abuse experience a feeling of being unworthy or feel shame related to their abuse. And then there's this other toxic shame which Tanya just shared with us but toxic shame is a part of your core identity rather than like a transient state of shame like oh today I feel shame about this but you know tomorrow I'll be fine or in a week I'll be a couple days I'll be fine people who experience toxic shame may try to present a perfect outer self to hide how they're feeling on the inside. And you often have the notion that there's something inherently wrong with you. It's just there's something wrong with you and on the inside. And that is like, I feel like that's just so sad for people to feel that way. And then there is something about exclusion. How many times have we been in a group of people and we feel a little bit anxious about it because you're like, oh, these people, I'm not sure I really fit in with them. 
And then you start telling yourself that. And then when you go, then you feel even more anxiety. And so if you feel as though you are being excluded from a group, not liked by the group, or that you don't belong, you might experience shame about being left out. This type is also common with social anxiety, just being around other people that you're can cause social anxiety. And I know some people who experience social anxiety and it can be like a debilitating. So, um, and a lot of times with exclusion, shame, you might be feeling like you're being left out, but you, you might actually be the person leaving you left out because you go into yourself with your anxieties or these um, thoughts that you're telling yourself in your head. So you may be in the group and you're feeling out of place, but then you kind of are present, but withdrawn. And so then, yes, you're going to go home feeling left out after that. So, you know, they all have their own set of challenges. That's for sure. So Tanya and I, are going to go through some other things and we promise we're going to get to the crux of our our talk today but i was going to touch a little bit on causes of shame so childhood trauma or neglect which Tama, tanya just spoke about another mental health disorder that involves self-criticism or judgment like social anxiety disorder not living up to overly high standards that you set for yourself Feeling as though your flaws or inadequacy will be revealed. If you've been a victim of bullying. Expectations not being met or experiencing failure. Rejection from others or the weakening of a relationship. I would even say that it wouldn't just be childhood neglect. It could be the opposite end of the spectrum that maybe you had a parental figure or an authority figure that just was on you all the time about do this, do this, and still not think it was good enough or up yes. to their standards. Oh, yes. I think that would definitely cause shame as well. Right, or the parent who's trying to live out their their childhood dreams through their child. Oh, wow, yeah. Those people are a trip. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because, well, I didn't do everything that I wanted to do, so... You're going to do my it. My child is going to do it. And I don't care if they said, well, I really don't want to do this. This is my passion. There's people like that, and I'm... I haven't experienced it. We're not like that. But I've seen it. Yes, I have witnessed it. So we're going to talk about, it's a pretty long list, the impact of shame on your life and what that might look like. So it can make you feel like you're flawed and there's something wrong with you. Lead to social withdrawal, especially when it's a result of a public stigma. Mm. Can lead to addic addictions like alcohol, drugs, spending, sex, gambling, etc. 
and it may cause you to become defensive and you can shame others in return. And I saw this, I, well, I listened on the way here. I told you on Jay Shetty's podcast, I heard a clip and he said, never before in time are people so have so much easy access to shame others with the invention of the internet, especially social media. And you see that word comment and it's so easy for anyone. Well, of course the internet calls them trolls. Yes. But sometimes even for me to see a bunch of negative comments on someone that it doesn't even have anything to do with me. I start feeling anxious about it. I don't like to see that. Even if I don't even know what the circumstances, I don't like to see just bad comment after bad comment and just picking someone apart. But it's definitely something that has come to the forefront of society in just really the past few years. That is right. Used to not be there. So I stopped when I was doing my list to say that, but I think it's important. So it also may lead you to bully. This is about bullying too. Bullying others because you've been bullied. Mm -hmm. And then also shame could lead to an inflated ego to hide the belief that you don't have value. And this is where a narcissistic personality comes into play. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to finish up this list. So the impact of shame on your life may lead to physical health problems. It can be related to depression and sadness. It may leave you feeling empty, lonely, or worn out. It may lead to lowered self-esteem. It may make it harder for you to trust other people. It may make it harder for you to be in therapy or to stop feeling as though you're being judged. It may lead to perfectionism, there's that word again, or overachievement to try and counteract your feelings of shame. And it may cause you to engage in people-pleasing. It may cause you to avoid talking because you're afraid to say the wrong thing and it may cause compulsive or excessive behaviors like strict dieting, overworking, excessive cleaning, or having too high of standards for yourself in general. So we've already talked about some of these mental health conditions that are associated with shame, but I'm just going to list them one more time. Anxiety, depression, eating disorders, low self-esteem, subclinical sociopathy. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one because what does they say about sociopaths are like serial killers, <laughs> right? Yes. So yes. that's the extreme. But also addicted behaviors, which there was a list that Charlene mentioned, but also, you know, we could just be talking about substance abuse users. Yes. That's a pretty broad category. Yes, that is a broad category. That leads us to talking about our personal battles with shame and how it related to our depression 
and her overall mental health. And Charlene has some stuff. I do have some stuff. Her I'm stuff is typed. She's more organized than me. Mine's jotted down. That's okay. <laughs> so, is that the cue for me to go first? Or I, I think so. You think so? I think you're more organized, so you should go first. What? <laughs> I might look organized on paper, but my mind might not be. But that's okay. I will go first. So, if we're going to step back, we've, we went over what shame can look like, what some symptoms of shame can be, and now we're going to talk about what it looked like in our life because it's not the same for every person. That's why we wanted to go. There was so much about shame that we wanted to make sure we gave you, I guess, a good foundation and then to be able to think about, wow, is that is that what I'm doing? And see if there were some areas of shame in your life that you didn't recognize as shame. So in my life, if you heard my story in episode three, you will know that my shame started when I was a young girl. And I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it is how it made me feel. It made me feel like I was a bad girl. But now I know that never has been true. I wasn't a bad girl. I was a victim of someone else's bad behavior. But I was just a child trying to process my trauma on my own because it never occurred to me that I could actually go and tell someone because there's that shame of like, oh my gosh, did I do something bad? But my shame started, you know, I feel like there's been a lot of versions of Charlene, bad Charlene, good Charlene, the Charlene in between and all kinds of other versions of me. That started back when I was a child. That started when in second grade, I hated my name and I did not want to be known as Charlene anymore. And likely at that time was less to do with my name and more to do with my trauma. Um, plus my grandmother had a friend whose name was Charlene and she was an old lady and that made me think only old people have that name. But in terms of creating versions of ourselves in order to cope with the trauma, this was the beginning of me just kind of taking on different coping mechanisms that are dysfunctional because I just changed my name. My, my mother went to school and all the papers for the parent-teacher conference said, somebody else's name all over them and my mom was like I think you have the wrong child this is not my child and the teacher was like yes this is the child this is it she told me that this is her real her real name and that you just call her Charlene and my mom thought what in the heck but she didn't I was gonna say did your mom say hey What's going on that you're using a different name at school? Uh -uh. 
<laughs> no. She just came home and said, your name's Charlene. That was that. It's not Lindy. And I told your teacher. <laughs> okay. Okay. But it, it had deep roots. It's because I was not liking who I was and I felt so much shame that I didn't want to be me anymore. Um, so that was the beginning. And then from there, I have always operated and did life under the umbrella of feeling less than and flawed or even damaged. Like I was damaged goods. But in the day of my life now, in the day to day, it might look like anxious feelings about being around people that I, because I still struggle with feeling like less than or flawed in some way, or that in some situations I might be really quiet because I feel like nobody really cares what I have to say. It also is comes through in a poor body image and feeling ugly. I was told that, I don't know, I want to say probably from about 12 years old on, I was told things about how I have a big nose and it looks like a ski slope. And I don't know if you're an older person out there, you may know who Ruth Buzzy is. She was an actress, but I was always told, oh my gosh, you have that big Ruth Buzzy chin. When I had acne, oh, you're a pizza face. This was not like my friends at school. These were people in my family telling me this. So I just like, oh, I am ugly or yeah, I do have a big nose. So I just developed this ugly body image. And along the way, people have pointed it out to things out to me. It's like, why don't you ever get your ear fixed? Because I have one ear that, because <laughs> I have one ear that sticks out and one ear that doesn't. So you hear messages along the way and they just developed for me in, in just feeling flawed. Like I'm, I'm not perfect. And so when I go places, I want to try to be my best, look my best all the time because I want my outward appearance to be pleasing to people so that people can't have a reason to say something ugly to me. Now I'm getting to the point, if you want to say something ugly to me, say it because why do I have to take that anymore? I don't have to take that anymore, right? Um, so that's how it looked for me and I fell into that perfectionism trap I would not say that I'm like overweight or anything, but I don't look like a supermodel either. But that is really, is that even real? Is that even real supermodels? Are they real? They look like they need to eat. That's what. <laughs> they also use a lot of editing oh, yeah. techniques when they post their pictures that we don't know the whole story. That is true. Which then led to depression. Depression was just an underlying thing with me. And it really is about manifest itself 
today about my failures, when my house is not perfect, when I feel overwhelmed with life and I feel like I'm dropping the ball and I'm, I have a friend who's therapist told her you need to quit should have been all over yourself and so that's what I'm doing when things aren't perfect in my life when I feel overwhelmed and things are lacking or I'm I'm not keeping up I always I should have could have would have so I should have I'm should have been all over myself by putting that shame on my own self That's the sad thing. I put shame on my own self because I'm so accustomed to living with shame that it's a natural thing for me to do. I push myself to be strong a lot and put a smile on my face. And sometimes that gets me into trouble because it leads to, in the past, feeling lonely or like, I don't matter, I'm invisible, because then everybody was thinking that I didn't have any problems, right? Because, or I got it, or she's strong. And I was just dying for somebody to ask me, how are you being around people can drain me, suck the very life out of me? It like takes a lot of energy living under a cloak of shame because on the inside, for me, I'm not operating as the way I look on the outside. I used to always think, oh, well, you're just an introvert. But that's really not true because when I'm in the right space with the right people, I don't feel anxious and I can have peace. Let's see. My shame, I think, I believe that for me, I have some health problems I get debilitating migraines that can last for days, like in the bed. And I also have chronic illness, I don't know, condition that is called gastroparesis, which means that my digestive tract does not process, like my stomach has a delayed emptying and it doesn't process food properly. And so sometimes when I'm dealing with those things, they'll derail my plans that I have for myself for the day. And then I tell myself, gosh, I just wish I was a normal person because I wouldn't be dealing with these other health things that kind of get in my way sometimes. I feel like for me, all of this, stuff that we've been talking about that was going unchecked just kind of constantly there put me in and made my body be vulnerable to developing the chronic migraines and the and the gastroparesis because I was just under in a in a living in a stress, under stress all the time. What did you say the other day about cortisol? Oh, but your body will produce excess cortisol yeah. when you're in a constant state of stress. Yes. So, yeah. So, 
there are some other things I often feel like people take advantage of my good nature. Like they just assume, oh, Charlene will always be there. She's the fair weather friend. She'll, she'll always be there and that there's not much care put into me. And then I feel used or taken advantage of. And sometimes I feel like I don't have a choice. I'm forced to be strong because of certain circumstances in my life that I'm just forced to be strong because someone has to be. We spoke about trust issues too. Um, Most people trust everybody until they give them a reason not to trust. And I don't trust anybody until they (laughs) show me that they're trustworthy. So if you're in my circle, just know that I have a hard time with trust. I can't trust myself to even make a good decision sometimes. So that's uh, that's a that's another struggle for me. That's what it looks like in my life. And I know you're thinking, why on earth are you doing a podcast about mental health and helping people? What I'm saying is, these are things that pop up. It's not like an everyday thing, but they are things I'm working on because I have said it before. Self-talk, self-talk, self-talk. But you cannot undo a lifetime of this mindset and just think that the bad habits that you developed when trying to just survive or cope are just going to then just be like, oh, well, she said she's, she's better now. Snap the fingers. It's done. No, it is a work, a work in progress. I am a work in progress. I am dedicated to doing the work because I want to be able to feel like it's like, will the real Charlene please stand up? That's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm working towards. And so I can't stop now because I want to be free. I don't know about any of you, if you have any of these kinds of things going on in your personal day-to-day or in your life or in your mind. Our mind is like, I read something this week. It was I'm going to paraphrase here, but it was kind of like sometimes one of the worst places we can be is in our mind. Because our mind plays tricks on us. It tells us lies. Like Tanya said last week, not everything I think is true. Right? And so I just hope that me being honest with you and vulnerable and being authentic about my struggles will be an encourage to y'all. It's not easy. No. It's definitely not. That probably sounded like a huge dump. (laughs) That's okay. But now we get a... Tanya has something exciting I want to hear all about. Okay. So I threw this on her a few minutes ago that I think my personal story as it relates to shame goes back to good girl syndrome. Did you know there is a good girl syndrome? Because there is. And actually, I didn't know there was until I looked it up. And I was like, okay, yes, 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 this is all me. So I've said before in my stories, talking back, like even from I think the first episode, 
I had this innate need to be good because we had these tragedies and I didn't want to upset the people around me. And also I was like, my brother was struggling and he was reacting in a different way. So I would like to say there's nothing wrong with trying to have good behavior. But uh, if you might have some good girl syndrome, if you excessively worry about offending others, you're overly thoughtful to the point that it's inconvenient for you. You have carried the label. Other people just say, she's a bit girl. You might be a perfectionist or an overachiever. And you also have trouble speaking up for yourself. Mm. Mm. You are a stickler for the rules, even minor ones. That one really re resonates with me because I'm all the time picking apart little things that in my family, if they're telling stories, I was like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, don't do that. Or I, I, I mean, I've gone so far, like, is this a law or not? Like, I want to know because I want to obey all the rules. And I remember in high school, there was skip day or whatever, or there was kids that were sneaking out of the house. And even though... I didn't think any of them were bad. Like, oh my gosh, they're bad because they're doing that. I just would never take the risk. Like, no, I cannot do that because something could go wrong. I could get in trouble. I can't do that rule, break that rule. I'm not saying it wasn't good that I did break that rule, but I'm just saying I was willing to go out on a limb to, if people wanted to call me a nerd or whatever, or goody goody, I don't care. I was not going to break that rule. So that stickler for the rules. And also you are a people pleaser. You are uncomfortable with conflict, mm -hmm. conflict or disappointing others. And you also like your routines and you get anxious about changes. And you are overly responsible to the point that you have control issues. These mm. are all things about good girl syndrome. Oh, and because I have that, eventually I would mess up. Maybe I didn't get a grade I should thought I would have gotten. Or I snapped and said something I shouldn't say. And then I, you know, some somewhere along the line, I did something. I failed because I was, like, when I was younger, I was a teenager. You mess up. You... And then I would have all this deep shame about not being who I should be, who I thought I was, that mm. perfect perfectionism. And then when I got older, it was the same thing with how I took care of my house, how I raised my children, what kind of wife I was, even like what kind of friend you are. If you let someone down or you didn't do what you're supposed to so i would started having this wall of shame i guess and i really don't think it came into play even though i was doing these behaviors and until my mind became depressed until i experienced depression after my loss of my brother and grief and all that then the shame just magnifies because Emotionally, I couldn't keep up with all this anymore that I listed. Yeah. It, it just became too much. 
Right. So I wasn't doing it. And then I had shame about it, not being able to be strong, like you said, strong enough. I can't overcome because depressive thoughts, they take up so much energy. Why do they say, oh, people that are depressed are likely to say they feel tired all day or they have to take naps and don't want to get out of the bed and all those kind of things. Because yeah, when you're experiencing something that's emotionally draining, oh, you're just like, I have to get out of the house today and go somewhere or be around people or make phone calls, all these things. So that is my take on the good girl syndrome and how it involved, involved my shame. I would like to say though, some of the qualities I listed are positive. They are. There's nothing wrong with, you know, if you want to make people happy, you might be the person that jumps up and says, oh, this family has a need, someone's ill, I'm gonna make a meal for them. Those are good qualities to have. Um, being responsible and following rules and obeying laws, good qualities to have, I'm not saying. What? So, yeah. So, the problem is that you cling too tightly to that performance because that's what it is. It's a performance that it will become a detriment to your mental health and well-being. Hmm. It's almost like it's almost like an idol. Yes. I think as Christians we need to bring that up. You can make anything an idol. Absolutely. You definitely can. When you were just talking about all those things, you know, I had my list of things and then I was like, oh, I can identify with that. I can identify with that. Oh, yes, I can identify with that because of the categories that I made for my life. I went, like I said, there are many versions of Charlene and I was trying to look like the good girl, like in high school. I wanted to look like the good girl, but yet I hung out in the smoking section. And finally, the smokers and the potheads said, Charlene, we like you, but why are you out here? You don't belong out here. You need to pick some better friends for yourself. It's like, okay. So, you know, I was still trying to put that, oh, I'm a good girl out there thing out there, but then I was doing things that would be deemed bad girl behaviors. But a few episodes back, Tanya brought up the point that when I met my husband, I did a complete 180. And when she was naming off all of her lists with the good girl syndrome, I'm like, now I can identify with all of those things. Almost all of them. I'm like, oh, I do that. I do that. I do that. Oh, yes, to that. I think what doing this and going through all of these segments, that episodes that we're doing, is helping me see even a bigger picture. Even though I've been in therapy, I still do maintenance therapy. Sometimes you just don't want to admit them to yourself that, you're, that you still have a problem with these things. And so, you know, I totally took on good girl s syndrome because I wanted to be a good girl. 
I wanted to feel like I was good and I wanted to be pleasing to my now husband. And I'm not saying things that I do are because I don't want to do them. I like taking a meal to somebody. There are things that I've learned that are good that I do without underlying thing of trying to be good, right? It's because I care about people. And that is something that I had on my list is that all of what's brought me to this place, I labeled it my spidey senses, but it gave me intuition, instincts, I became a very observant person of people. I actually see people. I mean, I I really see them because I'm a very because I'm very observant. I feel like it also gave me because of my own experiences of what I've gone through and how I feel under this cloud of shame in my life. It also there were good things that came out of it, right? Like I have the I, I have the ability to empathize with people, even if I haven't necessarily walked their walk or went through what they went through. I don't like to see people hurting and I want to help and I want to be a person that says, hey, it's okay. And so I feel like it gave space even in all of this chaos that seems like is my life that gave me space and opportunity to be able to hone those gifts. It's like God saying to me, okay, I see all that you experienced in your life. I see how you feel. I see who you are, Charlene, and I'm going to help you develop that now in your life. I'm going to help you be who I intended you to be. Yes, I already knew everything that was going to happen to you and take place in your life, but I have greater things planned for you. And so I have to look at all of this and I shouldn't look at it with shame. I should look at them as God preparing me for this time. This just came to me right now. And so bear with me, but that God just brought me to this place so I could learn another lesson as Tanya went through her list, as I even went through my list. My list sounded like, oh my gosh, doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom. It all has made both of us, brought both of us, me and Tanya, and even you, to a place where you will be able to make the proper changes in your life. So we want to say that there is a silver lining for overcoming shame. Thank you. (laughs) And the first step is just loving yourself unconditionally, Mm -hmm. but also to be honest with yourself and with other people. Yes. Don't avoid the shame you're feeling. Instead, talk about your feelings, share them with a, in a safe space and also allow your suffering to be legitimized and normalized, which that's what we're doing right here. That is right. And this will help you gain some perspectives about shame. 
Do you want to read that first? Yes, sure. So also self-acceptance. What does that look like? In my mind, that looks like accepting where you are right now. Accepting that things might not have always been perfect, but just accept where you are. Accept yourself as a person who deserves better. Embrace that you are lovable. Find a trusted mentor, a counselor, a therapist, or even a close friend that you can talk with. We did that. That's right. We did that. That's that's why we're here now, right? That, yeah. That's what we did. We had an accountability partner, right? To give encouragement, to be able to say, uh, today was a bad day. And then the other person could say, yes, we have bad days, but, and give an encouragement, you know? Uh, and just to say, I'm struggling today, right? And then going on the journey with another person who understands can be highly beneficial because some, you can talk to some people, but if they can't understand where you're coming from, if they've not experienced this in their life or, or admitted that they have experienced it in their life, they're not going to understand. I think I said in, an, in a previous episode that you know, my husband went to therapy with me and he had to ask the therapist, why isn't she snapping out of this? It just seems like she should be over this already. And that's not how it works. And so unless you've experienced something like that, it's sometimes hard. So having someone that truly understands is very beneficial. I think you missed one and it's I very did. important. Reject oh. the old beliefs you I have about yourself. I just skipped right oh, over that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if there's a reason for that. <laughs> so we can. So we're going to conclude this episode, but we want to encourage you, if you are not already following us, we do have a Facebook uh, Spilt Podcast, Instagram. Um, we're going to put the links in our show descriptions, like for episode descriptions. So... If you want to tell, what do we do on our social media? What do we do on our social media? We try to post between episodes. We try to post encouraging thoughts, words to just kind of help build you up. But also, we're going to give you a little nugget here. Um, the things that we post between episodes is giving you a hint or a glimpse of what the next episode may be about. So... We would love for you to follow us, share us, tell your friends about us. Yes, so we're getting followers on Spotify, and also we could get reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we just want to encourage you to share, because we are just a small podcast that started in Charlene's bedroom. That is right. <laughs> and we're trying to grow, so we reach more people. But I will say, so far with the release of the first two episodes, that I'm really happy with it. And I'm pleased because people are listening. People are listening. And so we thank our listeners for that. And um, we're thinking about something else. And we might share that next, next Tuesday on how we want to incorporate our listeners a little bit more. Okay. 
then I think that's all oh. we have for today. Oh, we're going to go. Oh, yeah, okay, I thought done. you were pushing the button. No. <laughs>